0: Welcome again to the Nash Stewart Experience. Kenna Lynn Stewart.
1: Hello. I'm so happy to be back.
0: So last time we had you on, we talked, we introduced you and talked about your career as an actress or actor. Yes. Today we're going to talk about Brian Cranston's book, a life in part, it's ah. <laughs> so good. It's an auto autobiography. Is that, uh, yeah, okay. autobiography. That's one that when they write them themselves. Yes. Okay, autobiography by Bryan Cranston, who played um, Walter White in Breaking Bad. So, quick review on the book. Do you want to start?
1: Yes. So. I was thoroughly impressed with this book. You never know what you're going to get with an autobiography, especially one of a celebrity. Um, Some are wonderful. Some are subpar. (laughs) Uh, And some only apply to people who are in that specific industry. Um, Something I loved about this book is that it not only applies to actors and filmmakers, but I think it's a really great book for people of all professions. I think
0: I agree. everyone,
1: it's a great book for humans.
0: It's a great recap on a man's life thus far. I mean, he still has quite a bit to go, but, uh, <laughs>
1: um,
0: it's a, it's a life so far full of experiences that anybody can draw on. And there's, there's lessons in there, which can relate to anything that, that you do, no matter if you want to be an actor or not. Cause I, I like acting. I don't want to be an actor, um, at least not right now. But I found the entire book incredibly relatable and interesting, full of material that you could draw useful information out of.
1: And, and there were moments that were funny, and especially listening to the audio book where Brian Cranston actually reads the book, it's captivating. It's fun to listen to.
0: So a funny thing about the audio book experience, I usually speed up books when I listen to them. Um, because I find that the even even the author the author reading it usually talks too slow or that they're not too slow, but I can digest the information really well by like double speeding it or something like that. Right. Brian Cranston being an actor perfectly paced everything and had it all of the nuances of of his vocals in there. Perfect. So when I sped it up, it sounded super weird and (laughs) (laughs) it just wasn't a good experience. So highly recommend listening to that one on normal speed. (laughs) So
1: that's so great.
0: All right. So now that we've kind of done a a quick review, um, did you have any favorite parts of this book?
1: Oh, Yes. There were several parts of it. First of all, Brian Cranston is such a great storyteller, so I felt like each individual little story he told was so, so fantastic. He tells stories that vary from, you know, him getting accused of murder <laughs> right. to, uh, to just relationship stories or being a father um, or acting stories. So that was really interesting to me. I particularly enjoyed when he talked about Breaking Bad because. That show is so epic and it was so monumental for film that it was awesome to get in the head of Walter White. So definitely love that. He also has a lot of snippets of just really great life lessons that he learned along the way.
0: That's probably why it's called A Life in Parts. The the chapters are super short. Um, I think there's like 67. I think there's 67 chapters.
1: And they're each titled... A different part that he plays, whether that's father as a father or Walter White, um, which I thought was a very creative way to segment his life.
0: A lot of it is about different jobs that he's taken that aren't necessarily acting jobs.
1: Right. Like the role of garbage carrier or whatever.
0: I didn't know that he wanted to be a policeman and went to the academy and everything. That was something new to me. Although I didn't know a ton about Brian Cranston before this. I knew him from Breaking Bad, and I think I kind of recognized him from Malcolm in the Middle. But the my biggest experience with him was recently with The Upside, which I thought was such a good film.
1: Go see that movie. Well, go see. If you want to go see it, it's probably in the Dollar Theater while we're talking. So uh, <laughs> rent it. Net- Netflix that.
0: Or even that's a that's one that I, I might even buy because... I don't know. It impacted me a lot. And that's actually why I agreed to read this book is because (laughs) I loved his performance in that so much. And Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart did really well in that movie as well. Outstanding. One of my favorite parts was when he was talking about... um, He was relating the experience of his time on Seinfeld. And he was talking about how it was kind of a a little bit minor role or like a a reoccurring, but like not a huge role. He's like the dentist or something. Is he a dentist? I think so. And so while Jerry and some of the other people are, are off doing something, one of the crew members, I think he was doing electrical or something, suggested an idea to Brian for something that would be funny in the scene. And Brian thought it was a great idea and he did it in the scene. He just... Kind of, you know, went off script and and put that piece in, and everyone uh, was dying laughing, and and I guess they did a, a bunch of takes of that scene, and Jerry Seinfeld himself couldn't stop laughing, and it was like the one take that Jerry wasn't laughing that they that they got and filmed, and he says in there, you never know who's going to give you the gift of a good idea. Mm.
1: That's gold. I think there was that theme throughout the book of Brian collaborating. He, he wanted to work with directors who would allow him to collaborate. He took ideas from other people as they suggested them to him. And he showed a general interest in not just using his idea, but looking for the best idea.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really cool. I guess an actor very early on in his career. I think he wasn't even acting in in this role. He was like doing uh, effects or something. Mm-hmm. But like the star of the show kind of paid attention to to Brian when he when they like bumped in like the elevator or like the hallway or something. I don't know. And he paid attention to him and was talking to him and and reassuring him that the work that Brian was doing in his, like, special effects role was so important. And that affected Brian in such a way that for the rest of his life, he always recognized that there are no... It's not just all about the, the stars. Like, it takes an entire group to make something big like a movie or a theater production. And I kind of felt I, I kind of learned that lesson in a big way when we were doing acting in high school. That, that's really Im- impacted me since then.
1: Well, and that's something that's really important to remember because even if you're the one on screen as an actor, the majority of the work is being done behind the camera. I, I'm reminded of this when I'm on a film set and, you know, it's just me in front of the camera, but then behind the camera, there's 15 to 20 people doing different jobs Wow! all while... while
0: Wow.
1: (laughs) Wow. Uh, But they're doing all these jobs while I'm doing mine. And I could not do my job without them. You can really see that in a big way when you're in front of the camera and you're looking back at all of these faces that are helping you.
0: Another thing that I really enjoyed in that book was, uh, I guess he, did he meet Warren Buffett?
1: I want to say he did.
0: Okay. Yeah, he, he met, yeah, he did. He met Warren Buffett and he asked him, just like everybody else at, uh, asks Warren Buffett, uh, what's your secret? Yeah. And uh, Warren Buffett said, oh, it's no secret. Just make more right decisions than wrong ones and you'll be fine. And then Bryan Cranson said he developed the Cranston uh, assessment of project scales, caps, uh, that kind of embodies that principle. Basically, you can make mistakes and you will make mistakes. So give the best chance to make good decisions facing an overwhelming number of choices. Mm. And I've heard it also said in 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 other ways. Some people like to juggle a few balls, like seven balls and, and maybe drop none of them. Others like to juggle a hundred balls and only drop like 13, but they like the net of that mm. rather than only doing the few. I believe that the more decisions you make the freer you become and the more opportunity you have to have good things go your way
1: i agree with that i think there's also there's less pressure on each decision right if you're if you're constantly cultivating a habit of making decisions and and just trying to make the best decisions you can as many of them as you can then there's less pressure because it's not like your one decision that day has to be perfect right also, again, a greater probability that you'll succeed. So it, it takes also a shame factor out of it and a pressure factor. Right. And you learn to trust yourself and and figure out which choices are good and which ones aren't. So great.
0: Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'm going to forget about this. There is one part that when I read it, I was like, oh my goodness. And, and I was like freaking out. And that's the part when he learns that he's capable of murder. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I thought he actually murdered a person and I was freaking out. But it's so true. Um, I mean, for everyone, actually, I think if people look deep down, um, given the right circumstances, almost anybody is, is capable of some really dark stuff. And his account of, of him discovering that is insane.
1: It is really insane. I think it's very important to never say, I would never do that. Oh, I'd never behave that way. You you never know under the right circumstances how you'll behave in, until you're in those circumstances.
0: And also, we ne- I think we need to know what we're all capable of so that we can actively every day live in accordance to how we want to behave. Because if you never if you never consider that you are capable of bad things, when that when that time comes that puts you in that puts that pressure on you and puts you in that situation, uh, you haven't prepared for it.
1: Mm-hmm. You're more susceptible,
0: right, to breaking under the pressure. Right. So anyway, I'm sorry that was a huge interruption. So, do you have any other uh, things that you learned from this book?
1: Okay, this is something that he he brought in a quote. From Stanislavski, who is a very famous acting coach. There's a whole method that he has developed in acting. And he said, Love art in yourself, not yourself in art. Oh, yeah. That's an imperative lesson. So I think a lot of times people will base their worth on their position or on what they're doing, on their job on uh, their love of baseball, on, you know, what it could be anything. But they're basing their worth on that uh, situation or that activity or being a mother or being a father or some type of title or role. And they're loving themselves in that role instead of loving the good parts in themselves that make them good at that role. So again, the quote is, Love art in yourself, not yourself in art. In acting, this is I see this most when I see actors who are miserable when they're not in a role. When they're not cast, they're absolutely miserable. They have no, no concept of who they are because they've defined themselves by the amount of work they get.
0: Or they're not a star.
1: Or they're Maybe. not a star, yeah. and so no, no role is good enough. Or they're in the ensemble, and they don't get to be the lead. Um, the danger in that is that it's based on external factors. You're basing your happiness on an external factor instead of basing it on who you are and then letting those external factors amplify that.
0: And one of the cool things that illustrates this in Brian's uh, life is, um, you see as like Malcolm in the middle
1: when, mm-hmm.
0: uh, when he played Hal, is that the
1: Hal, character? yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's the dad. He he does ridiculous things in that show. And the writers made it kind of a, a competition with themselves to see if they could find something Brian wouldn't do. <laughs> uh, and so he was just doing more and more ridiculous things. And he was always game for it and always happy for it. He had no ego. He He's super humble. And he was having fun. And so because of that, he delivers great performances. And that's not just a key attitude in acting. That's a key attitude in everything. The, the minute that you start to glorify what you're doing over, well, glorify yourself doing it over glorifying what you're doing because it's cool and you like the craft and you're making something beautiful, that's when things uh, become ingenuine. That's, that's when the artistic awesomeness of whatever piece that you are crafting Just dies.
1: Well, and he very easily could have said, This isn't acting. I'm playing a fool of a character. I'm playing this character who's basically a grown child. And he could have really diminished what he was doing, and he he could have said you know i wish i was doing big dramatic films and playing really meaningful historical figures but instead he took this role and was like i'm going to embrace this i'm going to have fun because it did not define him as brian cranston he got to bring brian cranston to that role and have a blast with it
0: oh and the other thing is in that same part is that uh he figured out through some music person and what was that music person called that
1: essentially there is a person that is assigned their their job is to make sure that there are no copyright issues within an episode or a film that that all the right people get credit and get paid so the musicians get paid the the writers are getting adequately paid the the actors are getting paid
0: so hal in that show does a lot of humming and whistling uh, and Brian was making up the melodies of what he was whistling and humming, and so the guy came to him and he's like, "You can get paid for <laughs> those. Those uh, I have to pay someone, so it might as well be you since you're making up those tunes." And so he would he would get checks throughout the year, uh, royalty checks for his whistled melodies on the show. And this is the cool part: he would use that money to hold a party for the cast and crew. <laughs> Which is so cool. He could have totally just pocketed the money, but he thought it was a great idea to celebrate everyone else. So cool.
1: Because it was this money he wasn't expecting to get. It was this fun little bonus, and so he decided to do something fun with it. And then the cast and the crew started having fun trying to make him get more money because they wanted to have more of these parties. And so they'd say things like, hey, I wonder if Hal would hum in this situation, Brian, and then he'd try to do it. You know, he had fun in his job, and I think that's a really important lesson here, is to be serious about your job, but also don't take yourself... I'm always serious. That was... (laughs) That was my British Siri. I have the British man Siri because the woman (laughs) drives me nuts. And so sometimes I have to speak in a British accent to get him to respond to me. And I tried the Australian one, but that didn't work because my Australian accent is horrible. Um, my, my point is that there's an element that we should have of dedication And taking your job seriously and making sure that you leave at the end of the day knowing you worked your hardest. And there's also an element of bringing personality and spontaneity and fun to your job. And I think that Brian exhibits this very well in in the way he approaches his work.
0: I think it's important to remember, and I think Brian does this, I think it's important to remember that you are living a life and that your life is not work. Oh yeah. Like he is he throws everything into acting, but first and foremost, he's Brian Cranston, a person who happens to act, who is a husband and a father. He never takes himself too seriously like you're saying, but he takes his work very seriously.
1: Yes. And I think especially as an entrepreneur, which an actor is, they're they're self-employed. You have an agent that is your partner, but you're self-employed, and I think it's imperative for anyone who makes their own hours to have that work-life balance and make sure that you're a human first, Um, especially in an industry where you're creating. How can you create art for humans if you don't even know how to be a human?
0: (laughs) That's a good point.
1: It's something I have to remember as an actor, too, that relaxing is a part of my work too. Because if I'm exhausted and I'm putting everything into my work, I'm not a human anymore. I'm a half human corpse that's just pounding out work. Um, But I need to be a healthy human and that requires some rest.
0: That's a really good point because that's one of the takeaways that I had from this book is Bryan Cranston's specific experiences that he uh, accumulated throughout his life made him perfect with the roles that he took and was successful at. And with any art, but especially with something like acting, if you don't have that to draw upon, drawing on nothing. So you have to realize that we are humans Mm -hmm. and you have to live as a human and enjoy every moment.
1: Well, and how can you understand humans if you're not around them too? Sometimes as an entrepreneur, it gets very easy to hide in your home and work. Lonely lonely. Yeah. yeah, And then you get depressed, but also aside from that, how can you create products for people? If you're not around people, how can you play a role that is a person if you're not around people? So it's, it's really important to not isolate yourself and to make sure that you're interacting.
0: There's one other thing that I wanted to talk about in this book that I thought was really cool.
1: I have one more too. Okay. You go first. Um, this is my favorite thing that he said. And it was the most impactful for me. Uh, He said that there was a moment where he really realized this important lesson. And this is what he said. I will pursue something that I love and hopefully become good at it instead of pursuing something that I'm good at but don't love.
0: Break that down for us.
1: So I will pursue something that I love and hopefully become good at it. This is the idea that doing what you love is more important than being the best. And sure, it's a, it's a good idea to do things that play to your strengths. Yeah,
0: you have to have an aptitude for it. Right, of course. but
1: usually you love it because you have an aptitude for it. Hopefully. 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 And right. if not, his main point is he would rather work at something that he loves, even if he's not good at it, than something he is good at but that he doesn't love, because one of those situations has meaning. I'm a firm believer, personally, that anyone can do anything, just some people have to work harder at it than others, depending on what it is and what their strengths are. So that really rang true to me because there have been plenty of skills that I've had or things I've wanted to do that I don't know if I had an aptitude for it or not, there was some developing that I needed to do, and I dug my heels in, and I worked hard. And those things mean the most to me because it was something that I loved, that I worked hard to pursue.
0: Right. It's more important how or what you how you make your money uh, rather than how much money you make. Right. That sort of ties into kind of what I wanted to share, which is the last chapter of the book mm-hmm. where Brian talks about how he he had done film his whole life. And then he was cast in a Broadway performance in Network. He was Howard Beale. I think that's the main character or something like that. Yes. Um, Tons of lines, tons of work to memorize. And he approached it the same way that he does film in the beginning, which he says was a big mistake because he poured his time into research. And he should have been using more of his time on memorizing lines, but that wasn't something he was used to because not as many of the lines have to be memorized at one time with film
1: right Right.
0: so he i think he had a week to memorize all the lines and it was freaking him out and he was like working like all day and all night for that whole week and he wanted to quit grueling experience for him and then he gets out on the opening on opening night looks out in the crowd and then he says oh yeah this is why i went through all that work and he remembers why he's doing what he's doing and what he loves about acting. And that is inspiring people. I, th- I thought that was really cool because it shows to me that nothing truly amazing ever happens that's easy.
1: When you're comfortable.
0: And two, as long as you're doing what you love, it doesn't matter how hard it is. There's a big payoff. There's a huge payoff.
1: Right. He he says near the end, it's okay to be afraid. Being afraid means you're doing something worthwhile. If you are completely comfortable day to day, you're never doing anything that scares you, you're not growing, and the meaning goes away. But when you face something and you live through it, or you even thrive through it, there is so much value in that. It teaches you more about who you are as a person and what you're capable of. It teaches you about what's important in life. And It teaches you that a lot of things that we worry about and fear about don't matter. And that's powerful. That's a powerful lesson because the more you face those fears, the more you grow and the more worthwhile your life becomes.
0: This was a great recommendation on your part (laughs) for this book. I was uh, a little worried because I had such a short amount of time to read the book. (laughs) And if I don't like a book, then it is a grueling experience for me. This one I liked so much that I just, I read it all the, or I listened to it all the time. Even though I had a bunch of distractions over the weekend, um, I still just chomped through this book. So great recommendation. I'd love to have you on to discuss another book. Maybe I'll get to pick the the next one. Oh dear. It's all right. I, I read good books. You'll like them. You, you will like them. Uh,
1: I'm afraid. That means it's worthwhile, right?
0: Yes. That's a great <laughs> attitude.
1: hey oh you're,
0: you're, you're, you're afraid to do something hard, and so it's going to be worthwhile.
1: Yes.
0: We'll hopefully do that soon. Um, anyway, thank you, Kenalyn Stewart, uh, for joining me. Um, thank and you. Do you want to ask a question about this book to the audience?
1: There is one final quote I'll leave with you. Where Brian says, it's more important to have a dream than to achieve a dream. How do you feel about this?
0: Comment on Instagram or tweet at Nash K Stewart with the answer to this question. Thank you and see you later, podcast.
1: Bye.